Welcome, everyone, to the AI in Business podcast. I'm Matthew DeMello, Senior Editor here at Emerge Technology Research. Today's guest is Don McGuire, Chief Marketing Officer at Qualcomm. Qualcomm is a technology pioneer that invented the foundational technologies for 3G, 4G, and 5G, and its platforms can be found in a wide range of mobile devices we use every day. Over the years, their business has diversified outside of smartphones to include automotive, in addition to PCs, XR, wearables, and more. Don joins us on the program today to talk about the impact of artificial intelligence on the automotive manufacturing space. He explains the notion of a digital chassis essential for enhancing wireless capabilities in modern automobiles and both the hardware and software infrastructure involved. Without further ado, here's his conversation with Emerge CEO and Head of Research, Dan Fagella. So Don, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me again. Always happy to be here. So we're going to talk auto today. The domain of automotive is waking up. It used to just be steel and pistons and fuel and maybe some plastic, but now it's mostly electronics. I have actually a twin brother who's a mechanic and he's like, yeah, I basically have to be a computer scientist now. And that's of course extending into data and IoT and the worlds where you guys play. So I want to start with this question. When you guys look at the major auto players you talk to, what are the what's the new panoply of challenges around data that are kind of loudest from a standpoint of the the people you reach? So I'll start by saying one of the industries that's undergoing the most transformation is the automotive industry. You know, so you picked a great a great category, a great use case because uh, what we're seeing in automotive is nothing short of revolutionary. And and as you said, automakers used to think about building a car in a very mechanical way right? I need to start with my mechanical chassis. And then I need to build mechanics on top of that, right? And now in the advent of the software-defined vehicle, these OEMs are now thinking about a digital chassis, right? Along with whatever mechanics they have to build into the vehicle. And that digital chassis has to be made up of different components, right? From sensors all the way through to connectivity, right? To digital cockpit and, 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 and visualization for the driver, uh, to connectivity within the vehicle, outside of the vehicle, to things around the vehicle, and eventually even to the cloud, um, and driver's assistance. Whether it's simple driver's assistance like lane change indicators or, or backup cameras, all the way through to full autonomy. And so from you know, level one all the way through to level four and above. Those are the types of things that the automakers are thinking of today. And we look at it as sort of a digital chassis approach, right? Where we've got both connectivity from Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, and cellular, all the way in sensors, all the way through to how we, how does the automaker deliver that in-car experience to every screen, which there are multiple screens now in the car, and there's going to be even more as we move you know, through this electrification and digitization of, of the driving experience. And then what kind of services, right, can, can the automaker now drive into the vehicle because it's connected? And we call that car to cloud. And so, so the, together, it all makes up this idea of what we call the Snapdragon digital chassis, but this idea, this platform that's open and scalable so that automakers, for the first time, really in their history, can change their business model and their relationship with car owners. Historically, right, 
it was the auto brand advertised to the general population. Look at my cool car, right? Buy my cool car, get a great lease offer on my cool car. Go to one of our dealers, right? And then the, the consumer would go to a dealer and they would negotiate with that dealer. They would test drive with that dealer. They would do the deal with that dealer. And then after the sale, if they had a problem with their car, they'd go back to that dealer. So the relationship between the driver historically has been with the dealer. Oftentimes, sometimes corporate owned, sometimes franchised, right? So the car company itself did not have an ongoing customer relationship with the driver. With the software divine vehicle and all this data, right, that, that's going to be both emitted within the vehicle, moved around, but then also broadcast or, or out, the Cadillacs of the world, the, the, the Fords of the world, the whoever of the world can now deliver upgradability to that driver, right? Uh, they can deliver over-the-air updates to that driver and to that car, can make the driving experience and extend the life of the vehicle because it's now more upgradable, right? Can offer new services from other providers, whether it's gaming, you know, whether it's entertainment services like video streaming or gaming or whatever it might be to mapping data, right? To other types of, of services. So the car company now becomes a platform, right? For, or an app store itself, right? For services to be able to delivered. And you don't need a gazillion of them. You just need the ones that are applicable to the driving experience, right? So it's a really interesting time for automotive. It all relies on what you started with, which is this idea of data, right? And, and, and how it's going to be collected, move within the car, and then be sent back and forth to other places to enable this new world that is really exciting especially for the automakers. I, man, there's so much to unpack here. Uh, normally, I'll tell you frankly, Don, look, you know, a lot of the time when vendors have their own little proprietary buzzwords, I'm not going to insult them in, in a podcast, but I'm often not going to build off of them. I like this idea of a digital chassis. I think this is a very curious idea. I think it's a, it's a, it's a useful jumping off point educationally for our audience. And sure. it's, it's much less banal than most buzzwords people throw out there. But this it's a compelling future that it feels like it's going to be hard to escape because these things are becoming, you know, again, software defined vehicle it doesn't sound all that radical to me. We went from Henry Ford right. to Elon Musk, and there's only one direction from here. And so this is a really cool spot to, to dive into some use cases. I'm going to unpack the general idea. We'll get into some specifics, but I think this is a this is a great tee up to the paradigm. That was an excellent summary. The idea of the chassis what is the core hardware software for the chassis? Because if I'm hearing you right, please, let's, let me I'll make sure to clarify the idea. Yes, we need our core metal and plastic to sit the darn thing on and put tires on. But then we need the core hardware software kind of operating system, processing power to be able to be upgradable, deal with voice, deal with streaming for the kids in the back seats, all that stuff. That's the digital chassis. What are the components of a digital chassis if you could just maybe paint a mental picture? Sure. Uh, you know, from a, from a pure sort of simplistic hardware perspective, yes. you know, there needs to be uh, multiple chips, right. That are going to, that are going to be involved in building out, right. The idea of this chassis, some of those chips or, or sensors or whatever you want to call the pieces of technology that, that, that make up the platform are involved with providing connectivity. Right. And again, it's all levels of connectivity. It's Bluetooth within the vehicle so that, you know, people can connect either headphones or other types of Bluetooth enabled devices within the car. There's Wi-Fi, 
and there's Wi-Fi today av- available, you know, via GM, you know, via Omni, you know, whatever. There's there's Wi-Fi capabilities within the vehicle today. Then there's the wireless connectivity, the 5G capabilities that's going to allow not only in-vehicle experiences, but also vehicle to vehicle and vehicle to everything, which has to do with with safety, with understanding the environment around the car, with real-time decision-making on obstructions, accidents, you know, somebody running in front of the vehicle and, and really improving the safety and then creating this opportunity for the car to become a node on the network, right? So that's the connectivity suite. That's one area of the digital chassis. The other is, is around this idea of cockpit and, and screens and infotainment and the delivery of services in a very visual or audio way or touch way um you mentioned all three of those right there's the visualization of that where what is what's your dashboard look like in the future right what are the screens in the back seats you know for your passengers look like what is the voice interaction in the vehicle so that you can continue to drive but also have a conversation and, and and do things and what are the touch capabilities right you know which is a use case we're all familiar with you know from a smartphone perspective that's the other, that's the second pillar. The third pillar is really this car to cloud connectivity, which allows for upgradability, services to come down and data to go up, service delivery to come down, enhanceability of the vehicle experience. I mean, imagine this, imagine walking into a dealer and a dealer says, hey, we have all these great features on this new car. And as a consumer, you know, today you have to decide, well, do I want that or do I not want that? And then the price goes up or down. Right. Hey, I want, you know, the backup camera. I don't want the backup camera. It's it's a physical experience. It's a physical conversation. In the future, I don't know if I want level two driver's assistance or not. I don't know if I if I'll, if I'll ever use it. Okay, well, you know what? How about if you need it, you can buy it on demand. Or how about, hey, if you find yourself having more of an instance where you need to be hands-free because you know you're eating in your car more than you thought you were or yeah, something yeah, whatever it is. right you can upgrade to that level of, of driver's assistance so that you have that feature now and it, it you don't have to be stressed about oh i didn't make that decision at point of sale so now i'm stuck with this car for three to five years and i can't have that feature until i go get a new car right so that whole paradigm shifts mm-hmm. and that's where car to cloud comes in and then enabling this ecosystem of, of services to be brought into the vehicle and enabling the automaker not to be disintermediated, right, by an OS provider or a specific application provider or someone from another space coming in and invading the vehicle, yeah. right? I think that's a huge opportunity and that that's what the digital chassis, the components of the digital chassis really make up. So those are, you know, technologically and kind of physically and spiritually, I guess I would say, <laughs> are the are the components okay. of of the digital chassis. Yeah. Okay. This is this is really helpful to understand and feels very much like the natural evolution of this space. I'm thinking about, you know, the opportunities for the bottom line for the automaker. And a couple things come to mind. You're going to have much more detail than me. But one of them is, yes, this idea of customizability, not only having to do with things we would weld onto your vehicle, you know, before you buy it, but but with things that you just, you know, you plug in, you, you plug out, whatever the case may be. You're also making this case for the defensibility. I think about my home, for example, right? I might have a Google Home kicking around somewhere. I have an Apple laptop here. I have another device over here. I've got cameras over here. That's, you know, invaded by a great many different parties who all have their own way of advertising to me or getting me to buy something else or whatever. What you're saying is, 
instead of, you know, Ford or BW or whoever, just saying, okay, I have a car, it does some great stuff. Everybody else will just have their own little interfaces in it. No, I'll be sort of the central home base and partners can work through me to reach that dashboard and, and touch the eyeballs of my customer. And I can right. I can actually get feedback from my customer, not from the dealership, but I can see how how Susan herself is actually driving, never mind right. like just some general report on the repairs somebody is getting. So there's a relationship, there's a defensibility. That that is all pretty compelling business model wise. There's also the the bottom line stuff. It it seems like if we can bill every month for service X, service Y, service Z, I remember the first couple people kind of getting a Tesla and paying for autopilot or whatever. It was now a right. monthly thing. It was like, that's so different than most car payments, right? You're doing this extra subscription. Do you see that as the future of where the margin starts shifting? Because it does feel like the steel is kind of tough to get too much more margin out of that. Where does this evolve how these companies become profitable? Or maintain yeah, profitability. I mean, it, it's not a direct, you know, this is not a really good direct analogy, but the razor, the razor blade. Um, yeah, sort of analogy, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's in its simplistic form does come into play a little bit, but it's different, right? I mean, people are passionate about cars, right? People love car brands. You know, I'm a Ford person. I'm a G, I'm a Cadillac person. I'm a Jeep guy. Yeah, I'm yep, a, yep, yep. I'm a totally. you know, I'm, I love, you know, Alfa Romeo. I love like th- these brands over the years, they've spent gazillions of dollars, you know, building affinity, driving passion, you know, delivering beautiful vehicles and that are distinctive and differentiated and unique to different audiences and, and, you know, for different use cases, obviously, but also for different personal reasons and stylistic reasons and things like that. So it's not, it's not exactly the same, but it is similar in that beyond all of that passion, I love, you know, the Cadillac Escalade and that's the only vehicle I'm ever going to buy you know, says so-and-so. Now that experience with your Escalade, it, it becomes different, right? Because the Escalade itself, yes, it's a beautiful vehicle to that person who really loves that design and that type of vehicle and what it can deliver physically. But it now becomes an ongoing relationship the Escalade becomes, you know, there's now Escalade razor blades, right? There's now things that I can enhance my Escalade with. I can replace things now and my Escalade may last longer, right? I may keep it longer. The resale value of my Escalade may be higher because it can continue to improve over time. Instead of being stuck in a moment, the 2022 Escalade, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and in 2026, the 2022 Escalade is irrelevant, right? Or, or it, But it's no longer irrelevant, right? Because the 2022 Escalade in 2026 can now act a lot like the 2026 Escalade. So how does that change the dynamics of resale markets, longevity of vehicles, how long people are keeping vehicles? All those types of things are going to change. And so it is this, the hardware, which is the car, the services and software that you can add on to it to drive that, you know, that longevity of, of that vehicle does change the business model quite a bit. Yeah. I, I hadn't thought too much about the resale value stuff. And I'm sure there's folks that really study this around since this, even just the last 10 years, right? I mean, so much more of a, a vehicle is the doggone electronics versus 10 years back and, and 10 years forward, who knows how much more, what does that do for add on value? You know, to your point, might might the value hold on better of course the tires are still going to wear out brakes things like that sure. you know 
rust can happen, especially if you live up here in New England with all the damn salt that we're, we're throwing down every winter time. But maybe there is, you know, maybe there's a level of self-driving or automatic parking or some new cool streaming things for little kids that is now in the car that didn't even exist when the thing was sold to the person. Like, does that allow right. us to hold on to that sale value? I don't know the answer, but I think you're you're right that it really throws a wrench into the way we think about the valuing, the use, the lifetime of these vehicles. Last thing I want to touch on that you brought up just for with our last minute or so, you mentioned maybe making the purchase itself last a bit longer. What came to my mind was, okay, well, yes, you have all the electronic upgrades for fun stuff. Is there also an amount of digital real-time diagnostics that'll make sure that that tire issue gets fixed before it turns into an axle problem or make sure that, you know, this oil use that feels out of place gets beeped and put in front of you and an email gets sent out to your dealership like right away. When you say maintenance or or longevity, what do you mean by that with digitization? Yeah, I think proactive, you know, health. I guess it's it's like preventative medicine for the car. Yes, yes. Right. We talk about preventative medicine for people, right? And hey, the more preventative medicine that you practice or the healthier you are, the less time you're gonna have to spend in the doctor's office or in a hospital or yep. you know, or getting an operation. Well, the more preventative maintenance or the more diagnostics we can produce on an ongoing basis of the vehicle means less time in service, less time without your vehicle, easier maintenance for the dealer and for the car company to actually actually deliver, right? Because it's proactive, gets the driver to take better care of their vehicle because it's proactively notifying you, hey, you've got 1% tread on your car, on your on your tires. You need to get new tires, person X, because winter is coming and and you're going to slide all over the the road versus, oh, I don't know what percentage I have on my tires. And I won't find that out until the next time I take it in. Totally. Right. Or until one blows, right, on the road, or I skid off or whatever, then I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, maybe I should go do something about my tires. So this is a really interesting and intriguing idea. And, you know, look, we're not quite there yet. I mean, I have an electric vehicle. I had to have it taken into the dealer. They had to have it for a week because there wasn't a a tech that could look at Exactly. They need new equipment just to fix the thing. Yeah. For, for a week. And it turned out there was no problem found. So I had a week of without my vehicle for no problem found because they didn't have the resource to go in, hook it up to the machines and diagnose. So that has to change. And, and it will, it will with, you know, with 5G and car to cloud and real time statistics and diagnosing that will change more and more things will be able to be done over the air. They'll be able to look into your vehicle before you get it towed in or before you have to bring it in and say, Oh no, we know what it is, right? A bring it in next Thursday. Cause the person who can fix it will be here or Hey, this is an over the air update. We'll take care of that. And then you know, give us an hour right? You know, go, 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 go grab some lunch. By the time you get back, yeah. the problem will be solved. That's where we need to get to. And we're not quite there yet. Some things, you know, I get software updates to my vehicle all the time. I look, I come into the car in the morning and I get a little notification saying, you've got the latest Mach-E such software, and yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, congratulations. And then I, I turn on the car and say, oh, something's a little different, right? But so that is happening, but we're not quite there yet to where I think desired end state is. And boy, won't that be amazing when we when we do get there. Yeah, I, I, I like the picture we're painting here. And, and clearly a lot of evolution to happen in the space. But I'm certainly one of those people that absolutely needs a 
beeping light to tell me, you know, tire pressure, this, I'm just never thinking about that. And so that, that adds a lot of luster to the, to the maintenance case as well. Be an exciting place to, to follow. I know that Don, that's all we had for time on this episode, but hopefully we've painted a very compelling picture of the future for the listeners. And I appreciate you being here, sharing your insights. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Before we close out today's show, I think there's a notion or at least a subliminal theme of today's conversation with Daniel and Don that I think everyone should pay close attention to. Elon Musk very famously said that cars are becoming robots on wheels. And I think in tandem with everything that Don and Dan discussed, it should be abundantly clear that automobile manufacturers stand to become major end-user tech companies in the broad scheme of the global economy. And just for what this means, if anybody hasn't gotten the memo yet, in, in, in very much a brass taxes political power sense, I would point everyone to an op-ed that Daniel wrote a few months ago for the Emerge.com front page called Substrate Monopoly, Power and Control in a Virtual First World. And in this op-ed, Daniel really pulls apart why so much geopolitical focus over the next few decades will be on the substrates or the machinery, the infrastructure that makes specifically virtual worlds powered by AI possible. Daniel firmly believes this is where we're going. This is where we're going to work. This is where we're going to play. This is where life will happen in the 21st century as, as we get deeper and deeper into it. And he talks a lot about the political power, the geopolitical power, not so much politics in, in the sense that maybe our American listeners might know it today, but the real brass taxes geopolitical power that tech and user companies are going to be able to wield. And I, I just hope that everyone listening to this show understands that automobile manufacturers will be right up there with Apple and others as major end user players. I, I think that's abundantly clear, uh, especially from the question Daniel was asking about Google Homes and Don's response to it. On behalf of Daniel and the entire team here at Emerge, thanks so much for joining us today. And we'll catch you next time on the AI in Business podcast. 